Welcome to Insight is Capital. I'm Pierre Daly, Managing Editor at AdvisorAnalyst.com. There are several significant challenges facing advisors today vis-a-vis millennial clientele. Whether you're a well-established advisor or not, you're either facing the problem of what happens after wealth is transferred to the next generation, or you're growing your business to compete for that generation's business. The average age of well-heeled clients in wealth management is around 70, and Millennials don't want to deal with mom and dad's advisor. They want to buck tradition. As an advisor, you definitely have to change gears and integrate strategies in alignment with non-traditional objectives. There's also the trend and challenge presented by FinTech. FinTech makes it possible for this entire generation to quietly do it themselves, bypassing intermediaries like you, all from their smartphones. Look at the rise of Bitcoin and Robinhood and other trading platforms and apps In this case, you might want to integrate fintech into the relationship for this cadre of clients. There's lots to consider, friction versus non-friction. Joining me to talk about this is Justin Costelli, investment advisor and founder at RLS Wealth. Justin has spent his entire career in the financial services industry and decided to start his own firm, RLS Wealth, in 2015. Since launching RLS Wealth, he's been included in Financial Advisor Magazine's Advisors to Watch 2019, Investopedia's Top 100 Advisor in 2019 and 2020, and Investment News 40 Under 40 2020 class. This is the Insight is Capital podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AdvisorAnalyst.com or of our guests. This broadcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this broadcast is intended to be considered as advice. Justin, welcome back. It's great to see you again. Looking forward to our conversation. Pierre, thanks for having me back and good to see you as well. So Justin, it's, uh, it's great to catch up with you. What's, what's new with you and what are you busy working on these days? Yeah, um, so it's kind of a little bit of the same old, same old, but just evolution of uh, an individual and as an advisor. So still running RLS Wealth, um, kind of capping the growth in that area and have recently launched a new relationship that I'll be actually taking on a handful of new clients um, soon. It's going to, I think it'll go into this conversation very well. Um, still uh, with the co- co-founder of the AGC, so a community for financial right. advisors, um, collaboration there. Amongst advisors, we have a book coming out in March, which is pretty exciting, called More Than Money. So that's been a lot of fun. And then uh, being true to what I try to help my clients do and pursuing my passions and living my authentic life, I created a little side brand called Pursuit, which yep. is designed to help connect spirit, mind, body, and money um, on a more scalable uh, environment. And right now, it's just a series of podcasts and writing and me exploring my creativity to kind of help more people realize there might be more to their life that, than what they realize and that they should pursue those passions and see where that takes them. Uh, but it's, a, it's kind of cool because what hasn't been the, the case for me in my whole career, at least since starting my own firm, is I've been disconnected in the things that I've done and explored to do. But now these all interconnect. You know, Pursuit is designed to help people at a scalable way that they, maybe they never become a client, but you know, the message resonates with them. And then it feeds into RLS Wealth uh, and the new relationship that if somebody really wants that hands-on and kind of designing the life that they want and incorporating finance with it, uh, RLS Wealth is able to do that. So for now, my efforts all align and connect, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed, by the way, the, uh, the barbershop interview. 
thought oh, that was you. really cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that kind of came out of nowhere. So yeah. for, for those who don't know, um, I actually was having a conversation with my barber. I, I go every Friday to get a haircut. It was one of the things right. that when business got to a certain level, I wanted to go. And I was telling him a story about my oldest, Roman, being scared. And I'd never heard this acronym before for fear, but he just said fear is false evidence appear, appearing real. Right. And so I went back and I recorded him cutting my middle child's hair, and then we had a conversation. And I put it together for a little video about uh, you know what fear really is and how we manifested it ourselves, and that we should kind of kind of stay away from letting those fears keep us from pursuing the life that we want. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really well done, nicely filmed. <laughs> Thank you. Really, really, but you captured that that's uh, that you know that barbershop banter, which was. Mm -hmm. Which was nice, although it wasn't banter. It was your barber actually talking, but yeah. it was uh, it was it was great. He did a great job. I thought he was you know just really natural and so. Um, so what's your new venture? What are you what are you expanding into? Yeah, so um, the the relationship that I've added to RLS Wealth, I'm calling Life Design Plus, and it is an evolution of kind of me and what I think is most important when it comes to planning, which ties into kind of what I think millennials are going to be looking for for their advisor. And it all started years ago when I came across George Kinder. And I have to, to give a, a shout out to my friend Scott Frank because he's the one who put George Kinder and life planning on my radar. Yeah. And when I began to read and learn about it, it was how I was doing financial planning already. I just didn't know it. So the concept of life planning, helping people create lives that they really want, listening to the client and then building a plan to that rather than just going straight to retirement and college and the traditional things, that was just natural to me. And then when I realized there's a, a designation for it in a whole practice, it really kind of piqued my interest. So I continued to read Kinder and go down that path and continue to evolve as an advisor. But the Life Design Plus is really, I think of it more of, I hate the terminology of life coach. Um, yeah. But I, I think of it more of a relationship where those clients who want to work with me in the Life Design Plus are going to be looking for somebody who's there to help them figure out what their authentic life is. What's the life that they're wanting and supposed to live? And then building the plan to that. So it is very intense. It's a monthly meeting. There are requirements of journaling and you have to have a, a mindfulness practice. You have to have a wellness practice. You have to have a spiritual practice. Like I want to create this relationship that 99.5% of the people who come across it will say no. Uh, it's too expensive. It's too intense. Uh, but those yeah. who really want to do it, it's going to lead to an impactful relationship because ultimately the goal is to help them figure out what is it about the life they're living today that does not excite them, does not feel right, does not feel authentic. And what's the life they're supposed to be living? And that could take six months on its own. And then once we figure that out, then we bring in the financial component of it, of how do we make that work within your finances? Um, so that's what really excites me. Um, you know, I've been doing traditional financial planning for 18 years, and I still enjoy doing that. But when I think about the next 18 years of my life, I don't think that I want to do that type of planning. There's a lot of advisors that can do a good job of doing traditional financial planning. Um, I still want to work with the clients that I have that have been with me from day one. I don't want to do anything with, different with them. But as I think about new clients that I want to take on, I want to do something that really excites me, that I think yeah. I have a unique skill set uh, that, that allows me to help people in this way. So I want to see if, if I can make that relationship worth it and see if anybody actually wants that. They may not want it. In my mind, I think it's a great relationship. Um, <clears throat> I know people are looking for more guidance on creating a life versus what do I need to do with my money. And then once you figure out 
where you want to go and what you're supposed to be doing, it's kind of funny how numbers kind of fall in line and just work themselves out. I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on the numbers and not yeah. enough on the qualities of the life that we want to live. And when you figure out those things and you have alignment between spirit, mind, body, and money, everything falls in line and takes care of itself. Kudos to you. I think that's, a, that's, that's terrific. And, and uh, the only way to, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, right? Mm -hmm. is, is actually doing it and seeing it where it takes you. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you know, that, getting to that point of shifting more towards you know, the design or the planning side of things is just, you mentioned it earlier, that advisors are you know, we're competing with technology more than we're competing with each other. And yeah. there's plenty of studies and, and evidence that shows that the least amount of value that I bring to my clients is the investment side of things. Now, my clients don't want to handle their investments. They want to know it's taken care of. Um, and, and there is importance to it, but that's the least amount of impact that I can that I can bring. I feel. Now I'm not I'm not you know I'm not a stock picker. There are some investment professionals out there that maybe they can really generate some alpha because of their skill set, and then maybe their greatest value is the outperformance. But for me, that's not the best thing. The best thing I can do in the skill set that I have is help people really slow down and figure yeah. out what do they want out of life. And I would make the argument that if I can do a good job, and, and I've been doing this on a smaller scale with existing clients, but this new relationship, you know, I'm not forcing that on them because that's not why they came to me. The new relationship is somebody really wants this and they want this intense relationship. But I think if I can help somebody figure out what's, making, what, what's lacking in their life, what is it that they want to change, help them figure that out, help them make changes in their life, and then reorganize their finances to support that. And in 15, 20 years, they look back and they say that the best decision in my life was not which funds I was put in and mm -hmm. how much money to save. It was leaving that job that made me unhappy to go do whatever it might be. And with Pursuit, I have this kind of cohort that I run three times a year called The Collective. And in it, my very first collective, I had an individual. He was already on this path. But he walked away from a six-figure job to stay at home with his two twin boys while they're young, while his wife was working, um, right. and work on his writing career that he wants to start. And I know for a fact he's not going to miss the money that he gave up for these next few years, and he's going to value the time that he had with his kids. That's not traditional planning. Like Most financial advisors are going to say, that's not a textbook answer. You don't want to give that money up. Like You can hire help out. And, but at the end of the day... Those three years of being home with his boys are going to be priceless. No amount of investment, no amount of savings will be able to, to uh, you know, match the value of right. that time with his kids. And that, I think, is more impactful than picking the portfolio or telling somebody how much to save. And, and all of those things still make their way into this plan, but it's about creating a life of minimal regret. When you are on your deathbed and you look back over your life, what do you wish you would have done different? And can we, can we get to you to a point where when you look back, you say, you know what? I, through my course of my life, I changed paths. I, I experimented. I evaluated different things. I don't have any regrets because everything I wanted to do, I did. And I lived the life that I really wanted versus, man, I wish I would have done X, Y, and Z, but I stayed in that job because of, you know, the money yeah. was good or the benefits. Um, and, I, and I really do think, I don't know if it was the time of everybody being locked up, um, but I do think that coming out of COVID and getting back to normal life, People are, are focusing more on the life that they want, and they're, they're, they're breaking out of these boxes that they've been placed in. And to me, that's yeah. really exciting. That is. That is. I, I can see, you know, like I mentioned, I mentioned, uh, you know, friction versus non-friction. You know, you can see where, where, you know, a millennial, for example, 
you know, is, is feels like they're forced to go and see, you know, their mom and dad's advisor, mm-hmm. um, you know, on their own, not necessarily together, but on their own, let's say. And that, you know, that traditional advisor is, is you know, telling them, oh, here's how much you have to save for retirement. Here's how much, you know, you have to save if you're going to have kids and they're going to go to college and you got to save this much. And, you know, you can see where, where, where you know, that younger person is going to just tune out just you know that's too much friction like what are you talking to me about things that are 40 years away i'm not interested i think i think you're right i think that that does go right into um you know what we're going to talk about today um so so justin let's talk about millennial clients um as you undoubtedly work with millennials what are you doing to engage and retain this millennial generation of clients yep so I, I have to I have to be fully transparent. I have both millennial and I have re- typical retiree boomer clients. I have both. And when yeah. I started my firm, I was always working with both. But I was oh, yeah, and I wasn't implying that you no, don't. I just yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that you no, only I, work with. Mil- I don't yeah. want to say you know you're only working with millennials, but you do work with millennials. Right. Like, right. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. I, and I didn't want it to come across as somebody yeah. who only works with millennials. So I, I work with both. But on the millennial side of the business, one, I had an early mover advantage in that when I launched my firm back in 2015. I launched day one with a subscription model. So the first thing I did was created a way for them to actually work with a financial advisor. Um, so, and I still think there's tons of opportunity that there are a lot of young professionals that want to find help that yeah. don't know where to go because the, the advisors that they're surrounded by or they have access to don't have a way for them to work with them. They're, you know, it's all AUM or what, they have minimums that exceed what they might have. So you know, the first advantage was having a model that welcomed anybody regardless of where they were, and if they valued financial planning, having a reasonable fee for them. But once they've come on board or, or, or how I've continued to grow, it's, it's talking about the things that matter to them today. And millennials right. do care about retirement. No one wants to work forever. We know we want to we, we have a position, but more millennials are looking to, where can I get to a point to where I don't have to work as hard? And I think that you know, whether they, they know it or not or they're speaking about it, I think the career path of a, a millennial and younger is going to look different. Um, I think they realize they're going to work longer because we're living longer, and mm-hmm. they're going to do things in the middle of their careers that may force them to work longer, but they're going to be okay with that. You know, I, I take myself, for example. I mentioned I'm not actively trying to grow my firm and continue to grow um, at, a, at a quick rate. Part of the reason for that is I have three boys, and yeah. I would rather plateau my career for the next six or seven years to have more time with them rather than build and miss out on these you know, fun years that are coming up. If that means I have to work till I'm 70, that's fine. I just happen to have a career where I could do that and I love it. But I would much rather work longer so I can have this time. And I think younger professionals are more in tune to want to wanna do that. So A, talking about how you can plan for that and how that is a, a game plan. You don't have to work a 30-year traditional career. You can you know, build in a different way. Talking about things such as estate planning, tax planning in addition to their traditional things because you know a lot of people in the young millennial age are starting to have families and right. they want to make sure their families are taken care of life insurance how much insurance what's the type right type of insurance and while it's great there's a lot of information available out on social media there's a lot of cringeworthy information out there and millennials aren't dumb they know the stuff that is 
that is scammy sounding, but right. they just don't know how much of it's true and how much is fake. So uh, being able to answer those questions of things that they see on social media, even going so far as the standpoint of debunking that on your own social media is a way that I'm seeing other advisors um, kind of combat that. But I think the whole key is just meeting them to where they're at and meeting them with what they care about. Um, don't try to tell a young professional that they should be focusing solely on retirement and sacrificing today for a date that might not even happen because we know life is not fair. It's about yeah. finding that balance of preparing for the long run and setting yourself on a good track, but also living today and creating a life that you're really going to enjoy, creating experiences. I think more young professionals are more interested in experiences over things, um, that that is a trend that I'm seeing. So just talking about that and then building plans so that they're actually experiencing that. You can't tell young professionals that you, that you believe in these things and when they come in to actually do the plan, plan only for retirement. Um, so you've got to match what you're talking about and bringing them in with, with what you actually do with them in the practice. There, There's definitely like, you, you, you thought it out fairly well in the beginning. I mean, there's a tactical element to, to you know, starting something the way you did it, starting a practice the way you did it, and there's also a strategic element, right? The tactical element is, is as you said, is the communications, you know, bringing, you know, the communications and the marketing and, you know, attracting, um, attracting that, that client to come and see you in the first place and making it as, as um, unambiguous and, and non-threatening as you possibly can. Um, and then there's a strategic framework for the long term as well, right? Mm -hmm. So what, like, I think you've talked about some of, you know, the tactical ideas, you know, like setting up, setting it up as a subscription. Um, and in terms of, of the conversations, like how are you having the conversations on, on the strategic side? What are, what, are, what are some of the big problems that you can help them tackle? Yeah, for, for me, I think the biggest thing is it, it all lends to it's it's finding and creating your authentic life. Um, and with that brings all the normal problems everybody has. It Taxes come in there, estate comes in there, investments come in there, savings, all that ties into it. But I think what more people are interested in is living the life that, that they want. And when they realize that there's something else that they would rather pursue and that Today we have more opportunity to pursue these passions in our life. How can I? How can I do that? How can I introduce it into my life? So I, I really think the the biggest conversation piece for me that and it, what excites me the most, and I get the most excitement out of clients is, you know, what are you not doing that you wish you were doing, and well, why not? And then right. just diving deeper and then realizing that all of the excuses for not doing this thing are all addressable. A lot of them are in our head, and we're making up reasons to not do them for you know things that aren't really real. And then some of them are financial. And then we address that. And, and I think that is where a lot of the conversation is heading is that I don't enjoy what I'm doing. I don't feel like I have purpose. I'm not fulfilled. And I don't want to feel that way. And if I was doing this, whatever it might be, that like I would feel more fulfilled. I would have more time at home, whatever it might be. And then you, you build the plan to that. Um, so for me, that's, that's what I'm experiencing. No one's yeah. coming in. I want to say, I should say no. Few people are coming in saying, how can I save more on taxes? How, how, how much more life insurance do I need? Um, more people are coming in like, these are the things I want to do with my life. These are, this is the direction I want to go, but I don't, know, I don't know how to do it. How can I make all of this work? 
And to me, that's the biggest strategic thing for me going forward. Um, and then the nice thing about that is that lends the ability as an advisor to start to leverage creating content. You take these conversations that you're having, the concerns people have, and then write about it, talk about it, whatever it might be. Obviously, anonymously, don't talk about the client situation, but the, the topic, the theme. And now you can create this content that you can distribute to your other clients. It's scalable. And you can even put it out there if you want to for marketing purposes. Right. That will then begin to attract people who want that as well. So there really is a nice flywheel that kind of can be created through all of this that just generates off of the clients you're already working with or that are coming to you. Um, I do think that whether it is a tactical or a strategic part, I do think creating content of some sort is becoming table stakes. Um, whether it is just to communicate with your clients regularly and stay in front of them or to use it to drive business, it is one piece of the growth method. Um, so whether it is a newsletter, a blog, a podcast, a video series, it's, it's almost becoming expected because there's so many advisors doing it. And if you look at any other brand in any other profession, everybody's creating content. It's how people are consuming. And it's a great way to get yourself out there, let people find you who might want to work with you, make a decision if they like your personality before they even call you so that from a growth standpoint, if that's what you're looking to do with your firm, when someone reaches out to you after they've been reading your blog for a year, they already know they want to work with you. And they already know what right. to expect. They're calling because they want you. They're not calling to interview you and find out if it's the right fit. They already know it's the right fit for them. Um, and then it just becomes easier for you to decide, are they a right fit for you? Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't tell you how many, you know, any, because, you know, we've gone, you know, when we've done podcasts, for example, uh, you know, you spend so much time editing these things mm -hmm. that, that um, you know, even, on, even, in, even when I wasn't in the podcast, but was overseeing the editing of it, mm -hmm. um, I felt like I got to know the people in the podcast, mm -hmm. even though I didn't speak to them. You know, it's very powerful. I mean, it's a very powerful medium. Video, obviously, is a very powerful medium. Um, but when people have an opportunity to get to know you without, you know, without um, meeting you, you know, yeah, you're right. That runway could be, could be a few months. It could be a few years. But eventually, if they like you enough from what they've heard and read and seen, they are going to contact you. But tell us about some of your successes or satisfying the most satisfying experiences that you've picked up on or the, as you've grown and learned uh, mm -hmm. since you got started. Yeah, there's, there's a couple that like jump to mind. One of them is, um, and it's actually not a, a, a millennial. It's one of my clients that um, basically, long story short, she's a teacher. And phase one of, of working with her was helping her leave the public school system and going to a private school and that risk and the, that she took and it worked out perfectly and, and great and she took a, a big risk, went to a contract that wasn't guaranteed beyond the six months, made less money and, and we ran the numbers and it, it just felt right and sometimes with life and your financial plan you have to trust your gut and go with that intuition and have a little faith that things are going to work out knowing that a, a fallback plan is always there. And then I realized, you know, maybe five years into the new place that she just wasn't feeling as excited about the work she was doing and crunching numbers on her plan and some things had fallen in, into her direction. And one day I said, hey, you know, if you don't want to go back next year, you don't have to. And the sense of relief that came over her was really, really cool. And from that conversation on, she ended up putting her house up for sale, moving out west to Arizona to a community she always wanted to live in. 
and is living her best life right now. And it's really cool to see that she had done all of the work to put herself in that position. But by, by being able to, one, see that my client was unhappy and know that the work that she was doing was no longer fulfilling and impacting her health and happiness, being able to tell her, hey, you're in shape to be able to leave that and go pursue the life that you really want. And yeah. she did it and she's happier. And the cool thing is she has two friends that have since followed her, her, her lead, if you will, and have retired right. to go on to do other things and they're living happy. But they would have never even asked their – they're not my clients. They would have never asked their advisor if they could have done it because they thought they had to go to 65 because that's what somebody once told them. So it's really cool <laughs> to see her happy but then also our work together impact her friends and their happiness. And then the other one is you know, having a younger client who is very forward-thinking, high up in his profession, realize that he wants to create – multiple income streams for himself. And he's in a position to where he could do some public speaking, he could do some consulting in his, his, his profession, and sitting down with him and building out a plan to basically build upon his personal brand, building out a content strategy, helping him get in a position to where he can consult with some, some technology companies, which is not part of a traditional financial plan, but is extremely right. impactful to his life plan and will spill back into his financial plan. And he's already got a couple speaking engagements. He's already um, getting ready to launch a, you know, a blog for his area of expertise. And to me, that it was really cool to be able to bring this um, passion I have for content and passion I have for branding, but then bring it to a client and help him out with his as a part of his overall financial plan. And, th and that just fuels me as an advisor to continue to be creative about how can a, how can a financial advisor help their clients. I'm probably not going to, you know, continue to build my business as being an advisor who helps his clients build a personal brand. But if I can do it with one of my clients, then I can go tell other advisors in the AGC or advisors I come across with, hey, right. here's a unique way for you to differentiate yourself. If you're good at branding and you have clients that come to you that, that have an opportunity to do that, help them with it and create a new relationship that is hybrid financial planning, you know, part, part financial planning, part brand building, and then that comes back into the financial plan. So those are two things that you know, when I say when I speak of traditional financial planning, those wouldn't be something that I would think of in a traditional plan. And so for me, it's fun, it's, it's it's exciting and invigorates me to know there's other opportunities to impact my clients beyond just the spreadsheets that I've always done. Um, and that's what keeps me kind of excited about the profession. So those are a couple things. Awesome. I I, uh, I love your uh, your willingness to to take the risk to do that mm -hmm. and. Because it's time, right? It's all time. Everything boils down to how much time have you got, mm -hmm. and and I, I think, you know, like just to to give some some takeaway for our audience, for advisors, you know, maybe maybe it's willing, it's it's that willingness to take the risk of your time, to give your time away, mm -hmm. as opposed to always sort of quantifying it. You know, oh, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. You know, time is money. I don't. I think I think that that. There's potentially a huge mistake that that anybody you know can make is not be willing to be generous with their time mm -hmm. you know for their client's children for a, a client who comes in that isn't economically viable from a from an investment planning standpoint but you want to just help them mm -hmm. you know it's the willingness to take the risk to put the time in to to tell somebody you know and not just somebody's friend or somebody's some a friend's son or daughter mm -hmm. coming to see you 
But, you know, someone who calls in and says, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some help with something, you know, I want to talk to somebody and, and having, you know, instead of having the door shut in their face mm-hmm. to say, uh, you know, we only take this kind of client, um, you know, you're saying, sure, come on in, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then, you know, you have this uh, sort of pro bono attitude uh, where, where, you know, you don't have, you're not setting an expectation of, of, of getting something more than what you're giving. And, and there's a place for pro bono. There, you know, there's another benefit of creating content is you get somebody who calls in who has some general questions and just needs some help. And maybe it doesn't make sense for you to take your time to do that because of the other things you're doing. But you can say, hey, you know, here is five blog posts I wrote or five videos or five podcasts that I created that address yeah. the things that you're interested in. Check these out. You know, give them a read. Give them a listen. And if you have some follow-up questions, you know, shoot me an email and I can help you out. And then that way you didn't pass them off. You, you yeah. gave them information to educate them and empower them. And maybe you solved their question. Or you know, this is where like a subscription model or the hourly models that come into play, you have a relationship that is a scaled-down version of your expensive high-end. That you know, maybe it's a little bit less detailed of a plan. Maybe it's not as much of your time. But chances are they don't need the same depth of planning. They don't need the same amount of time. So that you can be compensated for the time that you're you're spending with them, it's affordable to them, and it gives them an entryway into the profession. I think we're going to see uh, the membership model that I know a few advisors out there are creating come yeah. into come into place, where it's you know it's it's twenty five dollars a month, fifty dollars a month, and you get access to a software like the Elements Planning software that gives you kind of a benchmark of how you're doing and gives you some feedback, and then there's office hours every month. The forward-thinking advisor is going to leverage this great technology to create scalable ways to help more people that doesn't take a lot of the advisor's time so that, first and foremost, we help more people, which I think we should be focusing on that first. But it, right. the byproduct of it is becomes a business opportunity, whether it's the, the membership revenue, which I don't think will ever be enough to really move the needle. But more importantly, this is a, this is a feeder into your firm. So if you have this membership and then you have a subscription and then you have wealth management, now you can help people all along their journey. You can do it in ways that are scalable, that is respectful of your time as the advisor and you're compensated for, but it helps people. And it feeds the, the future generation of your business. And one of the things I always felt good about with the subscription model was I created the subscription model first and foremost to help people my age. I wanted to help them. But I also realized the long game of it was they're going to inherit this, you know, the whatever it's 40 trillion yeah. or whatever it might be these days of, of inheritance that's coming. And if I do a good job and I worked with them because I wanted to help them genuinely from day one before they had anything, when they get this inheritance, I don't think they're going to leave me. And maybe that's arrogance, but I, A, worked with them before they had anything. I put them on a plan to build them to where they are today, which is better than they were beforehand. And there's that trust there. So, I, I'm always I'm a big believer in you have to do things for genuine reasons and for the right reason first. Absolutely. But there's always a cherry on the top for the advisor later on that if you have this to help people who need it, one day when they inherit or one day when they have their moment where they they jump up tax brackets, you they're going to remember who was there to help them get there, and that business is going to stay with you. So whether Absolutely. it is whether you're a yeah. legacy advisor looking to retain the assets you have on book. You know, create a, a model that is built towards the younger generation, have a younger advisor running that. So when that client comes in, they see their peer, 
They, had, they know they have the expertise of the, the advisor who's been in the business a long time in the background, but they're working with somebody who understands where they're at. And then now you have this way to keep the, the family money with the firm. Or if you're playing the long game, start the, start the business model working with young advisors or young clients and young professionals, knowing that in the next five to ten years, you're going to see your business boom because of the transition of wealth. Justin, that was great. And that's, you know, there's, there's so many things, there's so many things that advisors can do. And, you know, I can see where, you know, where a lot of advisors, um, because of the way they were trained or the, the way that their business was set up, I can see where, where, you know, some of the open mindedness and creativity, um, might have got squashed along the way because, because of their firm's grid or you know commission or compensation or the expenses of the business you know sometimes sometimes all of the the, the day, day-to-day rigor can rob you of of you know that that creativity and that that drive to do something more i can see it's you know i i think it's part of i, I think it's part of what drove you as well which was wanting to get away from from the rigor of the business and 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 do more things that you enjoy doing and you're willing to to be available and accessible and and approachable and provide you know sound ingenious advice you know productive advice that takes that client that 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 person you know to a better place they will be eternally grateful for everything you've done Justin, thank you so much for your your incredibly valuable time. It's been great talking to you again and catching up with you. I appreciate the opportunity to come in and and share my thoughts. And it's always good to chat with you, Pierre. So thank you. 